I'd say about 1986 is where it all started. Of course, we can go back a little bit further than that, about 78. Let's just say 1980. Michael Jackson, that pop thing. You know, my brother, he was... uh, He's Mr. Rock and Roll. We shared a room together. I had to listen to, you know, Ted Nugent, Asia, Boston, Uriah Heep, Black Sabbath, all these different bands. I didn't understand them, you know. I was just a young kid, fourth, fifth grade. Didn't know much about music, but there's a couple of things I like. I remember um, one time hearing this song that I really like uh, that my brother used to jam a lot but never knew why he wouldn't jam it around my parents but I caught on to it quickly I don't know why I had no idea what it meant what it was saying it just it just sounded fun you know And, of course, it was a Ted Nugent song, and I come running in the living room where my parents were, my brother's sitting there, and, you know, I'm trying to be cool, thinking, yeah, my brother's going to think I'm cool, you know. I always looked up to my brother, I still do, but uh, I come running in there, and I just had to show off that I knew one of these songs, and, (laughs) oh, my God, my parents... Oh, when they heard me singing this, they just kind of looked at me and looked at them and looked at my brother. My brother's looking at me. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize, I didn't realize the lyrics of uh, Wang Dang Sweep and Tang. (laughs) I run around singing that song like it was the coolest ever. And, you know. That didn't give me any brownie points whatsoever. That was uh, the day that I could not play his records anymore. <laughs> Plus, you know, I was uh, still learning music. Michael Jackson, like I said, would come out. And then this break dancing stuff started coming out when I was in middle school. and you know, I wasn't all about rock and roll. It just, I didn't get it yet, you know. I like the beats, but I didn't get it yet. But I like more of these hip-hop beats. Uh, you know, when, when some friends well, was breakdancing at school, in middle school, and <laughs> I'm sitting there like, I don't know how to do none of this. And somebody told me, hey man, you ever you ever tried to do the worm? Well... Yeah, that's where you get on your body and you just flip, flop, flip. <laughs> and I went home and I practiced this stuff. I practiced, practiced, practiced. And it was pretty cool because when I came back to the gym the next day, I could do the worm all the way across that gym. And all these black boys looked at me like, holy crap, who is this cat? All of a sudden, 
I'm everybody's best friend. Because I can do the worm. Simple. Very simple. Next thing you know, you know my little white buddies. We all played wall ball. Um, they wanted to go to skate rink and they wanted to have a uh, break dancing group. Oh, hey, I just wanted to be in a group. That sounded cool, you know. It was that was friends getting together. You know, I, I didn't think anything else of it, but there was a plan. You know, it was like. Back in our days when we used to climb trees and build clubhouses and stuff, we had a plan. You know, we had a hammer, we had nails. We went and did what we said we were going to do on that Saturday morning, you know. Blow up an army man with M80 or whatever. And, you know, so it, it kind of correlated to, oh, just me being around a group of friends and, you know, I asked my mom, and she actually said, sure, you know, that's cool. You, you did really good in summer school. And, uh, well, what's the name of your breakdancing group? Well, I had to call my friend up and, you know, hey, man, what are we going to name this thing? He said, well, we'll be, we'll be called the Breakmasters. I thought, well, man, that's cool. And I told my mom, and the next thing you know, she done made us some shirts should have put down the uh, uh, iron-on stickers. I still remember it. Uh, I still, they actually still have it in the closet over at my parents' house. She won't let me have it because, you know, I'll end up losing it like I did a couple of shirts that I really, really regret. Like when the time, oh, my God, my brother's going to kill me if he ever hears this podcast. But, oh, you know, the time. Metallica and a band called Raven played in Tyler, Texas at Harvey Hall. You know, I mean, that was a really, really big deal. And, and today, a lot of people don't know about that. My brother said there was only 50 people there. It was the fastest, heaviest thing he's ever heard. And I couldn't go because I was just a little bit wee too young. But he bought a shirt. And, uh, What's really cool is way later on in life, um, I find myself at Vinnie Paul at Pantera's house watching the Super Bowl. I don't even care about football, really, even though I was named after a football player, Dallas Cowboys, in 1972 that played with Stallback. His name was Lance Allsworth. Not Lance Frenzel. Lance Frenzel was kind of like the Pee Wee Herman in the part, you know, he I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> it was Lance Hallsworth. His nickname was Bambi. He had these little skinny legs. He was a running back. And he ran for Stallback. And he was badass. So they, that's how I got my name, you know. And uh, Back to the point of being over Vinnie Paul's house, Pantera, watching this football game. I kind of told him that whole thing. And oh, every time I'd say my name, Lance, he just kind of, he'd look at me and smile and um, it just kind of reminded him of what I've never even thought of at the moment. But, you know, he said, yeah, you know, every time my brother got in trouble, my mama called him Lance. When he, when she called him out, she called him Lance. Yeah, so every time I hear that name, and you know, I think of good times. Uh, 
I just think of, uh, my brother's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I remember just talking to him about stupid stuff like that because a friend of mine told me, hey, man, you know, don't go in there going, oh, I'm a musician and, you know, man, I really love your music. He you can spot out a fan a million miles away. And, you know, that night I just knew we were going to be best friends. I just knew we were. I mean, he was so cool. Him and his old lady, and we took some some uh, couples pics, <laughs> I guess you could say. And, oh, man, such a great time. Uh, unfortunately, that was three months, maybe four months before he passed away. Um, man, that, that, that's hard. That's hard because I grew up my whole entire music career wanting to be this band like Pantera in Texas. Later on, there was a band called Drowning Pool popped up, and of course, we we had to be like them, you know? Not just like them, but we had to be heavy. And then it became heavier and heavier, and all the bands we were playing with were so heavy, you know, we sounded like corn, disturbed. You know, our singer had that good old wah but he couldn't, couldn't really scream like like the, the bands we were playing with that were really drawing the big crowds. But truthfully, during those moments, uh, about the only cool part of some of the really, really heavy screaming stuff was the breakdowns. Man, I love the breakdowns and the drums. and I love the double bass and stuff, but, you know, just the just didn't get me off like like the screaming that I grew up with was more yelling, was more of Metallica Megadeth. Um, man, I get lost in these these times. I really do. I get lost in these times, and it's hard to um, it's it's hard to just I don't know. Um, think about today and what's going on and and you know now I make good money and, and now I work hard and I do like what I do I do I still got friends in the music business that are really really big I mean really really big man even country artists I don't even like country I might like a few things, but I really don't like country. But there was this one band that I met in 2009. Lady told me, you know, it was our manager for um, the band Rocket Queen I was in. And she told me, she's like, man, you got to meet this band. They're really badass. They're, they're coming to Billy Bob's. They're playing the Willie Nelson picnic party or something. And I, I had a little, you know... Ford, oh, I can't even think of what kind of little small ass truck that is, but no AC, you know, three hour drive, ain't going all the way up there just for a country band, you know, I mean, be cool to see Willie Nelson, maybe see if he'll blow a joint with me or something, you know, that would be fucking the shit, but um, it was this band called Brantley Gilbert, and the funny thing is, is somebody at uh, the shop where I worked at it said I know you don't like Country Lance but you gotta check this band out 
And um, I said, man, okay, I'll give it a shot. And you know what? They're one of the coolest bands right now. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting old. And that's what makes country better, like my parents. But I don't think so. These dudes are rock and roll, man. Here's a little bit of Brantley for you. Let me, let me get my mind thinking again where I was at. I get lost a lot. Stick around, because uh, I'm going to have me a little cigarette right there on the left hand. Bring my fire one up. You know, hey, it's a podcast. Thank God you can't see what's going on. <laughs> Definitely with my left, bro. Some good, good times, man. The whole Brantley Gilbert family. And when I say family, I mean the whole crew, the whole road crew. You know, me and our singer, we were we were offered, you know, a spot on the bus before they even started hitting arenas, and then you know now they got fire and explosives, and you know, just I mean, just. 20,000, 30,000, you know, right now, I hate to say it, it's, we're in the middle of this pandemic thing, kind of coming out of it and, and everything, and they had to pause everything that they were doing, and, uh, you know, when I first met them four albums ago, I'd have been offered that spot, I'd have been offered a, to do the, the sound mixing for house sound for these arenas, and now I have to tell the truth, man. I, you know, I'm mixing sound in an arena here in town that my cousin owns at the Old Palace. But, you know, I'm just winging it. I don't even know what I'm doing, bro. And they told me, you know, hey, man, thanks for being serious with us. Because last time we asked somebody if they knew how to do something, they did. I said, yeah. And we flew them out that day, like we were we were ready to fly you out immediately. And um, you know, after, after this happened with this guy, and he said, oh yeah, we got it, we got this, I got this, and come down there, he didn't even know how to tune a guitar, <laughs> and they're like seven, that's, that's AKA, that's me, they said, man, we, we, we appreciate your honesty, man, um, you know, well, we're looking for somebody that can do it, they can really do it, and I said, man, y'all can train me. I'm good for that. They said we we ain't got time for that, you know. We got we got big things going. If if we had time, we would. And I honestly do think that they would. You know, I can I can call them at any time, at any anywhere, at any location, and say, hey, I wanna I wanna come see you guys. And they're like, ah, right, you know, how many how many how many are we getting back there in the back? You know. I brung women before. Actually, they brung me. Drive all the way to Oklahoma from East Texas. And 
Yeah, these girls are married. Big old fake titties, whatever. <laughs> and they're all like, oh man, seven. You rock and roll. And I'm like, man, y'all rock and roll. What you talking about? I'm uh, disguised up here in a country bar. And they said, man, which one's yours? And I'm like, none of them. They're made. I mean, y'all can do whatever y'all want with them. Freak a leak a leak, man, because I think they probably want to. But me, yeah, I'm good. And they're like, man, what's wrong with you, Seven? What's wrong with Seven? He ain't gay, is he? He said, no. No, I know what's wrong with Seven. He likes the black girls. <laughs> oh, man. And that's just some kind of joke from back back in the days of us hanging out on the bus and a waitress at a show and they were trying to double dog dare me to take her in the bathroom and make out with her and as soon as I did they all start banging on the door and saying they're gonna take the shit <laughs> you know I'm like oh man what are y'all cock blocking me for oh good god and uh you know, that was 2009, I think. Um, <laughs> well, we still talk quite a bit, man. Me and uh, me and BG and his family, especially Jeremy, man. He's a really cool dude. Um, tour manager. Uh, and uh, Ben, the drummer, is super cool, super cool. Um Man, they just get more rock and roll as it goes, you know? I like it. I like it a lot. And, you know, that's just the, the perks of being a musician and, uh, you know, having having a name out there. And, be, and people realizing that, you know, especially people people big like that, you know? Um, you know, they always told me, hey, man, bring some of that good green. And I'd bring it. And they'd disappear with it and come back and they'd be like, hey, try this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is all right, but what happened to mine, you know? Well, you know, of course they're paying for it. It was just a little bit, get them, get them along the ways. I didn't realize it was actually going to BG. I didn't realize he even smoked. And uh, he kept that on the low low because he didn't want anybody to know, but now... He sings it in his songs, man. Here, check this out. This is a song. Bradley Gilbert, Colt Ford, and uh, Willie Nelson's son. Um, uh, I forgot his name, something Nelson. But uh, And then, of course, Willie Nelson's in the song a little bit. But check it out. I'm going to let you listen to this for just a minute. And I'm going to get jumped in my bubble bath. I'll tell you some more here in a little bit. Y'all enjoy this. Bradley Gilbert. Rocking the rock stars and country bars, right? Country rapping. I like that strip too. 
said they rock and roll, man. Rock and roll. Now, you know, I heard him do a song with Five Finger Death Punch, and that is crazy. But tell me, this don't sound like some Three Doors Down. I'll give you a little bit more, and I'm going to tell you a whole lot more about me. It's going to get crazy. It's going to be funny. It's going to be sad. It's going to be great. It is what it is, you know. Brantley Gilbert, it's my boy. You know, I know a lot of people. Monty Pittman, guitar player Madonna. Played with him on stage back when we were kids. Trading shows. I've opened up for Five Finger Death Punch, Nonpoint, Head PE, Mushroom Head. Hey man, I've even jumped on stage with Mushroom Head and played those water drums. To Pink Floyd. Oh man, amazing. Trees in Dallas was sold out, and everybody there that was a musician, when I took my mask off, <laughs> oh, they tripped. They tripped, and I wanted them to. I wanted them to see me. And they always looked at me different after that. They always wanted something out of me. And that's when I was like, wait a minute. Why do y'all want something out of me, man? I used to have to hope that y'all would answer my text back and, you know, now you local bands are wanting to come down here and play my hometown and, and open up for me and, you know, I know all these people, but, man, they're just people. Some of them are just my friends, man. The Beer Union. Eric Schrader from Canada, man. I miss that brother. He's like a brother from another mother. And man, they offered me to go out with them and they introduced me to Alice in Chains and they introduced me to Godsmack and introduced me to even, you know, Hell Yeah. And, and you know, Hell Yeah was making us eat their fucking food out back, you know, in uh, uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas. It was Arkansas. You know, you better try some of my chicken. I've been slaving all day on this. Yeah, I can see what that rebel flag you got going there, bro. <laughs> and 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 to even see Godsmack, soul lady. Man, that was a trip. I'ma tell you something. I'ma tell you a little secret about that. Godsmack, soul lady. I'm standing next to this chick. She's a big old black girl. And uh oh man. I was like, who is this black girl backstage rocking out? I mean, she is rocking out like this. Like, she's kind of rocking out. You know? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And, you know, right behind me, they're going, huh? What's up, dude? Uh, and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Look at this. Who the hell is this woman? Big, fat black girl. They ain't even supposed to be here, I don't think. She's banging her head more than I am. Sully gets off stage from Godsmack. And he walks down a little aisle and he kind of looks and points his hand. And I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, I, I guess he's pointing his hand at me. 
I looked over, she's smiling. I'm like, man, you ain't got a chance. What the hell? But, I mean, she's cool. She was really cool. And all of a sudden, he comes up. He's like, hey, baby. And she's like, ooh, hey, Sully. Oh, that was awesome. He said, you like it? And she's like, I love it every time. He looked over at me. He's like, how's it going, bro? And I kind of looked down at him because he's only about four foot two, maybe. But I didn't know that either. And I was like, dude, that was amazing. And he said, thank you, brother. Now, come on, girl. Let's, let's go. Hey, we're going to go get a shower, man. Hey, we'll meet up with you. What's your name? Lance. All right, Lance. We'll meet up with you, brother. Y'all have a good night. And they walked off in the distance to the tour bus. 350-pound, beautiful black woman. And 4.2 on the foot and the inches, Sully. Walking hand in hand. She's like six foot tall, I think. It looked like it anyway, compared to him. I'm going to tell you something. He was happy. He didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. He didn't care if anybody knew anything. That was his old lady. Hey, you know what? To each his own, brother. Maybe it was just a one-night stand, or maybe that was his baby's mama's mama. Who knows? But she had a good time. I had a good time. The Vera Union had a good time. I appreciate those guys for inviting us down. And, you know, they wanted to see this band. They wanted to see this band called Shaman's Harvest. They were really, really, really wanting to see this band without getting interrupted by their, their crowd because they just got off stage. And these guys, Shaman's Harvest is going up next. And, the, you know, the guy goes up there in a wheelchair. The singer goes up in the wheelchair and starts singing. Oh man, my nose is hitting, hitting a button. <laughs> oh well. Well, they go up there and uh, he gets up in that wheelchair and he's singing his song. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this dude has had a fall. And how embarrassing to get over a broken leg is to have to be on... You know, in a wheelchair, wheeled up there, and you're badass. Well, hey, they had this song called Dragonfly, and I, I knew that song. Right when I heard it, I was like, yeah, fly, dragonfly. Well, I dared the singer to come out in the middle of the concert and watch him. Now, let's, I want to hear him. You want to hear him? You said you wanted to hear him. Let's go hear him. He said, man, no, everybody's going to fuck with me, man. Everybody's going to fuck with me, dude. I mean, my mohawk, I'm black. Everybody, I just got off stage. But their second stage of the, uh, I don't know what it was called, Freakers Ball or something like that. There's just so many good bands there. And um, I was like, oh, who cares, man? I double dog dare you. And I told him, hey, man, I got something for you, those, bro. But you got to come up front with me. And he goes, ah, I really do want to hear one. That does sound cool, but I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. We'll be out in five minutes. But I still want to hear them live and loud, so let's do it. And we roll out in front of this crowd. And the whole way there, everybody's looking at him. They're looking at me, but they're more looking at him going, like they don't know what to say, and they're pointing their fingers, and some of them are trying to shake his hand. And then we get in the crowd, and we get about three minutes into a song. And that singer stands up from that wheelchair 
and some crutches, and then all of a sudden he throws these crutches out, and it's a whole part of a show. He's not even in, he's not even hurt, man. You know, it was like, okay, he, he threw me for a loop, and we're like, oh, hell yeah. And then, you know, the song went off, and their introduction for the next song uh, uh, was one of the bigger ones, and uh, this was 2012, I believe. Oh, man. <clears throat> Next thing you know, we get bombarded by people. Just, just, hey, man, badass show. Can I get a signature? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I know he really wanted to sit and watch the rest of that show because he, he really liked them a lot. He, he heard about them. He heard them on Sirius Satellite, you know, the Dragonfly song. He, he heard they were really uh, something that they might need to latch on to because, you know, possibilities, you know, uh, are endless when it comes to up, up and coming rising stars, uh, you know, to travel around. They, they get those package deals with the bigger bands and then they get in those even bigger uh, stages whenever they do the festivals on the side and then they break off and yada, yada, yada. And they really wanted to get with somebody that was, uh, was going to draw a big crowd, you know, uh, since it would probably seem to be that they would be the opening act and the WR Union been out on a label a little bit longer would be the um, opening act as well, but the co-headline act uh, versus whatever they got onto. Um, you know, Hinder was one of them. Uh, the festivals were Alice in Chains, and Five Finger Death Punch, and bands like that. Um, but uh, next thing you know, I introduced that guy. You know, after they got off stage, the guitar player Josh for Shaman's Harvest was like, "Hey, man." Man, uh, y'all sound good, and I'm like, I oh, appreciate it. I'm I'm just friends of theirs, but I mean, I'm, I know they appreciate that too as well. Man, you guys are awesome. We tried to sit down in the front row, and he said, Yeah, no, I seen y'all uh, for a song or two, but uh, y'all kind of disappeared after that. I'm I'm sure I know why. I said, Yeah. Uh, he said, Man, I tell you what, there's there's some women out here tonight. It's hot. Uh, I was like, Yeah, it's hot. There's some women. Y'all in a Y'all in a 16-passenger van, and I guess y'all can take turns scoring if that's what you do, you know, with the groupies. But, you know, my boys, they got a tour bus over here, and uh, they really like you guys, man. I think, I think, man, y'all should meet each other. I think y'all should exchange each other's numbers, man, get to know each other, man. They're really cool dudes, man. They like to party, man. You like to party? He's like, oh, yeah, right now I wish I had a little blow from a nose. And I'm like, well, you know, come to the bus. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. I mean, you know, I've changed a whole lot since then. I ain't, I ain't scared to admit what I've done in the past. I've admitted to my mom, so I mean, might as well admit it to everyone. I mean, I've done some really crazy shit. And, you know, that's just, that ain't nothing but a little nip in the bud, you know. That's just a little after party effect. But, I'm telling you, we had good times that night, and they exchanged numbers, and that, that guitar player would call me, like, every holiday. Yeah, I mean, even on Christmas, not Christmas Eve, not the day after, not the day before, not the week before, but Christmas morning. Call me going, hey, fucker, what's up, man? What'd you do last night? Yeah, yeah, I'm drunk, gotta go to my parents. I'm like, yeah, buddy. Hey, man, Merry Christmas, bro, man, we had fun, man. That's good to hear from you. And he, he would do this during every single holiday, I noticed. And then the one time he didn't was the 4th of July. And it was a time that the, the rock band that I was in was going through this phase of, you know, 
I don't know if it's going to work with our drummer and the bass player because they just don't get along and we've got this tour lined up with Creed on the West Coast and, you know, we don't want them fist fighting each other every single night, man. So we don't know what to do and the bass player kind of came up with the, the money that it costs to, to actually buy on to this tour package. Um, sad to say his dad passed away, inherited some money and, you know, it was either me that's been there for nine years in this band, you know, with the brothers saying that they would never, ever, ever screw me over, ever. As long as I did what I was supposed to do and they made it every reason for me as of me not doing what I was supposed to do, even when I was still doing everything that I've always done. But more to, in my eyes as an excuse to to have the guts to fire me and, and hire this dude's friend because, you know, it was either that or they weren't going on tour Creed. And the funny thing is, is that didn't happen at first on this West Coast because the West Coast, the West Coast deal, I'm going to tell you what, we were down a, a week before we were ready to go. We were supposed to meet um, the the manager of Aerosmith and the Hyatt Hotel in Hollywood, you know, on the top thing, on the very tip-top of the Hyatt Hotel and have lunch with him. And Red Bull Records was, was you know, very interested in us. And, you know, we had a lot of uh, play with, you know, MTV voting us best unsigned band in America. Um, put us on a soundtrack to a movie, gas movie called John Tucker Must Die, but hey, it was a movie and it was a, it was a motion picture and it sold a lot and it was a chick flick and red carpet and all that, but man, you don't sell out your friend like that. You don't sell out your bro that got you all these shows that done everything you could possibly do in his mighty power to get you where you are today because some dude with some money said, hey, if, if, if we don't do it this way, then... And, you know, we're not getting on this tour because I'm not supporting it. I'm not going to put, put up the money for it. Well, you know, that's a shame. That's a shame because there could have been another way around that. And that's the pissy part about music. Cause you just never know when something like that's going to happen. And it's sad. It's really sad, man, because I work my ass off. I work my ass off more then you can imagine, man, I'm a drummer, man. Drummers work their ass off. They carry their own drums. They they don't have no help from the singer, you know. Uh, they they don't have no help from their band. They, you know, they're, they're expected to put all this stuff up, play, not miss a single beat. If somebody gets off, they look at you like you did it. And, you know, then you walk off stage, and then you got to rush your stuff out of there so the next band can get up on stage. Just to jump back into a van full of bitching ass musicians that think that you played like shit because they fucked up. You know, when, when, a, when a drummer has a metronome in their ear and it goes off because they go too fast, I have to compensate. I have to listen to complete opposite ticking in my ear towards the music and try to catch it up and slow it down. And do everything I can to get it back on beat so, you know, I'm in track and I'm, I'm in the pocket. And and I'll be damned. Somebody makes a little mistake and I get thrown out of pocket. And it's always me. And I mean, to the point where it's like, you, 
suck, motherfucker. You, you practice that over and over and over. Why the, why the fuck did you fuck that up? Weeks you did not fuck that up. At first you were fucking it up, but weeks you were on pocket. And then all of a sudden you fucked it up. Well, you know, hey, guitar player fucking hit a sour note and looked the other way and and had a brain fart and was acting like his shit wasn't working and, you know, and then come back in way too fast. Way too fast. And I had to slow it down. No, that ain't what happened. No, fuck you, motherfucker. Fuck you, motherfucker. Get out there and sell merch right now, motherfucker. Put a smile on your face. Get the fuck out of this van. And I don't want to ever fucking see you do it. You're going straight to practice as soon as we get back. You know? And then you come in, everybody's going, man, you were so badass. You are so badass. You, were, you got this fake smile going, thanks, man. I'll take a picture with you. Yeah, it was kick-ass. But really, in deep inside your head, you just want to fucking leave. You got a lump in your throat, man. That, that, that evil lump that just hurts. You know, because somebody told you you were just a piece of shit that night. And what were you on? And all this kind of stupid shit. Like, you know, this ain't rock and roll and metal and... You know, everybody here ain't drunk, and no one's going to fucking even miss it because no one even knows our songs completely yet. But you know what? That's all right. That's all right, because I, I went towards what the crowd said, and that lump would leave my throat, and that amazing time would reoccur as much as I wanted it to. Maybe not as much, but as much as it could, being what was said, I took it like a grain of salt, and I... I took what everybody in the crowd told me, and they talked a lot more about how badass the drums were versus everything else, and not, you know, not on my high horse or anything, but you know what, put me on my high horse, because these, these people put me on a fucking doggy, you know, and, and, and tied fucking blindfold around me, and, you know, throwing pins and needles at me right now, but you know what, that's all right, because when I grew up, I grew up wanting to be heavy metal. I grew up wanting to be like my boys Pantera. And I'm going to leave it at that for a minute. Let me get a little heated up. It could be this bubble bag. It could be that lump in my throat. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> hey, man, it's all rock and roll, though, right? We live. I got things that I'm going to tell you that I ain't never told nobody. And you're probably gonna laugh your fucking ass off, and you're probably gonna be so fucking pissed. It's just up and down, bro. Up and down. Piss and Pantera. By the way, you put, you put the fans, hell yeah, versus your, your homeboys fuck you together and this is what you get right here this little feeling inside the way this guy's singing this song yeah fuck y'all this heavy metal rules motherfuckers
motherfuckers. Star wasn't just the lifestyle. It really wasn't. That made it so crazy. I made this pack like I guess other famous musicians did in their mind. I told myself, hey man, if I'm going to be a rock star, I got to live, breathe, and dream and, and live the dream. You know, I can't say I'm, I'm rock star because it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, bro. And, you know, I'm a virgin. And, you know, I smoked maybe I have a joint. And thought I was going to need to go to the hospital because I was going to have a cardiac arrest. And, you know, and then rock and roll itself. And, you know, you know, one day you're, you're this, and then the next day you're that. You know, no, if you're going to be rock star... You had to live to be the rock star. You had to live just like what the rock star was about. You couldn't say you did all this. Of course, people could lie and say, yeah, man, I'm all that sex, drugs, rock and roll, man. My whole life has been about that. No, you had to make it your life. You had to have the sex. You had to have the drugs. You had to have the rock and roll. Or you could not truly tell people and then believe how crazy you were because those crazy moments met you with those crazy people and those crazy people were famous and those famous crazy people would one day call you asking to join their fucking band and that's fucking rock and roll Daryl Lance Abbott right there buddy Vinnie Paul
1986 in Tyler, Texas, they played that same place that in 1983 Metallica played in our hometown, Harvey Hall. And every time I would ask them, hey man, my name's Lance, I'm Tyler, Texas. It was always Vinny, he'd always look at me and go, Harvey Hall. Well, I never knew that the time that Metallica came down here to play, um, it was their chance to be able to meet the, these cats. You know, they've heard their music. There wasn't really a, a big live show coming through. Uh, they, they probably had one somewhere on the outskirts of Dallas, Texarkana, Tyler. You know, they didn't, they didn't play the big cities. They played the, the small towns for some reason. But it was the small towns where people didn't have anything to do except for rock out. I mean, the thing to do back then was go to the lake in a truck, pile up a bunch of friends in the back, beer, get drunk, and jam music with your six by nines in a speaker box that you made from high school in shop class and, you know, extend them towards the back and pull them out of the back of the bed of your truck and put them in the bed bed of your truck behind the lawn chairs and the beer. And, you know, that was the shit. Well, that was the shit. That was fun. Crazy. You can never, ever do anything like that again, especially ride in the back of a damn tailgate of a truck, especially 20 people and, you know, a cop riding right behind you down Broadway and, and you know, don't even say nothing, but, hey, man, y'all make sure and hang on, man. Y'all don't be, y'all be yelling at people, you know, and, and keep your cups down, you know. I mean, you know, if, especially if they knew the driver was older and he was just taking care of the, the young drunks. But there was a movement that was slowly beginning in our own town, and it started with Metallica. No one even knew who they were, and then it was, and then it was Pantera, and then no one knew who they were either. We kept up, we kept up. We heard they were from Dallas. The thing was, the reason why he always said Harvey Hall, and he knew exactly, was one of the reasons was one of the first out of town shows he had ever played in event center that they put together. Second of all, it was the place where they came to see Metallica in front of 50 people and ended up bringing them back to Dallas to their home and their studio and partying like crazy and playing guitars and became friends automatically. And, and that's where they became friends. And, and there was their, that was their movement. That was their movement. That, that was their change into, hey, we got to get heavier. Hey, we got we got to get heavier than Metallica because because people are going to want heavy, you know. And it seemed like if if you were heavy, the heavier you were, uh, the harder and heavier you were, the the more power you had, the more the more power you had in control of the people, you know. Metallica approved that, but it got so heavy that people didn't even know what they were saying. You know, I like. Couple of Cannibal Corp songs and some Slayer. I love some Slayer because they were they were more the screaming, not not growling. Um, Dead Horse from Austin was really good, but um, my music experience was still at a low level at that time. I really was still listening to the '80s music, the Dawkins, the Poison, the Rat, and Motley Crue. Motley Crue is huge, man. I mean, if, if you got to meet those dudes. Man, you could probably even say I was almost famous. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, I'm going to leave it at that because um, right now I'm, I'm like a prune sitting here in this bubble bath. I have not had my point of my old lady's asleep, you know, or else I wouldn't have to, you know, log in the Pornhub and bring out the OJ juice <laughs> and uh, down the dark beverage, smoking a cigarette afterwards, like, uh, you know, hey man, I need to get out of this water, I'm overheating, and, uh, you know, let my mind go back to, uh, it's, it's normal day, it's Saturday night, normally at this time, I just got through watching that Bangers Ball, Maybe still watching MTV, watching some AHA play one of their songs, or, you know, I come from a land down under, Cindy Lauper looking sexy, you know, like virgins, Madonna, after hours of Headbangers Ball. They really sit around a lot during those times, during Headbangers Ball, during the whole time from the day it started on Saturdays. From the time it ended on Saturdays, we were watching Headbangers Ball. Now, when it came on MTV2, we were out playing shows. We were out partying. It was Saturday night. You know, it really wasn't our thing then. And, you know, that was way later. You know, that was almost in the 2000s. You know, yeah, you know that, that was, internet was out. Oh, and that's another thing, internet. That makes things really different in the music world. Some good, some bad. Some ugly. And some hot. But... Either way, I'm going to leave that up to my next episode and carry on from there. It sounds like a lot of ranting because I'm going from 1986 to 2014 to 2012. You know, my, uh, okay, I can, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I was, I was told I was diagnosed and, you know, this is not when I was a kid. This is some hot chick, gothic chick that worked at a nursing home, um, rehab, said she, you know, Every one of them that, that, that's a nurse has to evaluate people and, you know, they, they major in psychology and she told me straight up, yeah, you're ADHD. And I, I didn't, I didn't catch on to this until I was 32, 36, somewhere in that area. I don't even know. I had to look, look to see the date of that. But, you know, everybody always told me there's a possibility, um, you know, I'd do speed and blow and stuff and it'd get me wired up. So I was like, well, I heard that those pills, if you take them, they, you know, they'll make you feel normal, not wired up, you know, but they'll do the totally opposite. And they're like, yeah, but you know, you're not taking Ritalin you're not taking, um, whatever that, other, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't care to take them. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess since I didn't take Ritalin, but I took some some good old crank, you know, I guess there's a little difference in that, and that makes a big difference in, in uh, knowing if you're ADHD or not, so, take it from you guys, I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this is going, oh yeah, that dude's so ADHD, and he's sounding a little burnt up, probably, and tell you the truth, I am, because I'm in this damn hot-ass garden tub, my bubble's done bubbled out, my feet look like prunes on the bottom, uh, my penis, yeah, you know, we'll pull a Howard Stern and say, man, that sucker shriveled up, looked like a sardine. But I tell you what, when that sucker gets hard, I, I don't have to put no cucumber in my pants and, you know, in my spandex and walk out on stage because I got my own cucumber. and it's, it, it's still there. It ain't going away. But, boy, when it, when it gets in the water and it gets relaxed, 
it could almost disappear. Not really, not in micro sense, but, you know, to me, you know, I still have to put a whole hand around it, you know, just to piss, but, um, you know, they don't call me seven for nothing. And I'd say seven by three. <laughs> if you catch my drift, ladies, men, you know, <laughs> sorry you had to hear all that. But anyway, hey man, appreciate y'all. I'm going to leave it at that for a minute. Let me get a little heated up. It could be this bubble bag. It could be that lump in my throat. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Hey man, it's all rock and roll though, right? We live. I got things that I'm gonna tell you that I never told nobody. And you're probably gonna laugh your fucking ass off, and you're probably gonna be so fucking pissed. It's just up and down, bro. Up and down. Piss and Pantera. You put the fans, hell yeah, versus your your homeboys, fuck you together, and this is what you get right here. This little feeling inside, the way this guy's singing this song. Yeah. Fuck y'all. His heavy metal rules, motherfuckers.
You know, being a rock star wasn't just the lifestyle. It really wasn't. That made it so crazy. I made this pack like I guess other famous musicians did in their mind. I told myself, hey man, if I'm going to be a rock star, I got to live, breathe, and dream and, and live the dream. You know, I can't say I'm, I'm rock star because it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, bro. And, you know, I'm a virgin, and, you know, I smoke maybe I have a joint, and thought I was going to need to go to the hospital because I was going to have a cardiac arrest, and, you know, and then rock and roll itself, and, you know, you know, one day you're, you're this, and then the next day you're that, you know. No, if you were to be a rock star, you had to live to be the rock star. You had to live just like what the rock star was about. You couldn't say you did all this. Of course, people could lie and say, yeah, man, I'm all that sex, drugs, rock and roll, man. My whole life has been about that. No, you had to make it your life. You had to have the sex. You had to have the drugs. You had to have the rock and roll. Or you could not truly tell people and then believe how crazy you were because those crazy moments met you with those crazy people and those crazy people were famous and those famous crazy people would one day call you asking to join their fucking band and that's fucking rock and roll Daryl Lance Abbott right there buddy Vinnie Paul Nineteen eighty-six, Metallica, Texas. They played that same place that in nineteen eighty-three, Metallica played in our hometown, Harvey Hall. And every time I would ask them, "Hey man, my name's Lance, I'm Tyler, Texas," it was always Vinny. He'd always look at me and go, "Harvey Hall." Well, I never knew that the time that Metallica came down here to play. Um. It was their chance to be able to meet the, these cats. You know, they've heard their music. There wasn't really a, a big live show coming through. Uh, they, they probably had one somewhere on the outskirts of Dallas, Texarkana, Tyler. You know, they, they didn't play the big cities. They played the, the small towns for some reason. But it was the small towns where people didn't have anything to do except for rock out. I mean, the thing to do back then was go to the lake in a truck pile up a bunch of friends in the back beer get drunk and jam music with your six by nines in a speaker box that you made from high school in shop class and you know extend them towards the back and pull them out of the back of the bed of your truck and put them in the bed bed of your truck behind the lawn chairs and the beer and you know that was the shit well that was the shit that was fun crazy you can never ever do anything like that again especially ride in the back of a damn tailgate of a truck especially 20 people and you know a cop riding right behind you down broadway and and you know don't even say nothing but hey man y'all make sure and hang on man y'all don't be y'all be yelling at people you know and, and keep your cups down you know i mean you know if, especially if they knew the driver was older and he was just taking care of the the young drunks but there was a movement 
that was slowly beginning in our own town, and it started with Metallica, no one even knew who they were, and then it was, and then it was Pantera, and then no one knew who they were either, we kept up, we kept up, we heard they were from Dallas, the thing was, the reason why, he always said Harvey Hall, and he knew exactly, was one of the reasons, was one of the first out-of-town shows he had ever played, an event center that they put together, second of all, it was a place where they came to see Metallica in front of 50 people and ended up bringing them back to Dallas to their home and their studio and partying like crazy and playing guitars and became friends automatically. And, and that's where they became friends. And, and there was their, that was their movement. That was their movement. That, that was their change into, hey, we got to get heavier. Hey, we got we to get heavier than Metallica because people are going to want heavy. You know, and it seemed like if, if you were heavy, the heavier you were, uh, the harder and heavier you were, the the more power you had, the more the more power you had in control of the people. You know, Metallica proved that. But it got so heavy, and people didn't even know what they were saying. You know, I like a couple of Cannibal Corp songs and some Slayer. I love some Slayer because they were they were more the screaming, not. Not growling. Um, Dead Horse from Austin was really good. But um, my music experience was still at a low level at that time. I really was still listening to the 80s music. The Dawkins, the Poison, the Rat, the Motley Crue. Motley Crue is huge, man. I mean, if, if you got to meet those dudes, man, you could probably even say I was almost famous. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm going to leave it at that because um, right now I'm, I'm like a prune sitting here in this bubble bath. I, I have not had my point of my old lady's asleep, you know, or else I wouldn't have to, you know, log in the Pornhub and bring out the OJ juice <laughs> and uh, down the dark beverage, smoking a cigarette afterwards like, uh, you know, hey, man, I need to get out of this water. I'm overheating. And, uh... You know, let my mind go back to uh, it's it's normal day. It's Saturday night. Normally at this time, I just got through watching Headbangers Ball. Maybe still watching MTV, watching some Aha play one of their songs, or you know, I come from a land down under. Cindy Lauper looking sexy, you know, like virgins, Madonna. After hours of Headbangers Ball, they really sit around a lot during those times, during Headbangers Ball, during the whole time from the day it started on Saturdays, from the time it ended on Saturdays, we were watching Headbangers Ball. Now, when it came on MTV2, we were out playing shows, we were out partying, it was Saturday night, you know, it really wasn't our thing then, and, you know, that was way later, you know, that was almost in the 2000s, you know. Yeah, you know, that, that was, internet was out. Oh, and that's another thing, internet. That makes things really different in the music world. Some good, some bad, some ugly, and some hot. But either way, I'm going to leave that up to my next episode and carry on from there. It sounds like a lot of ranting because I'm going from... 1986 to 2014 to 2012. You know my. Uh, okay, I can. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I was. I was told I was diagnosed, and you know, this is not when I was a kid. This is some hot chick, gothic chick that worked at a nursing home. 
um, rehab says she, you know, every one of them that, that that's a nurse has to evaluate people and, you know, they, they major in psychology and she told me straight up, yeah, you're ADHD. And I, I didn't I didn't catch on to this until I was 32, 36, somewhere in that area. I don't even know. I had to look look to see the date of that. But, you know, everybody always told me it was a possibility. Um, you know, I'd do speed and blow and stuff, and it'd get me wired up. So I was like, well, I heard that those pills, if you take them, they, you know, they'll make you feel normal, not wired up. You know, but they'll do the totally opposite. And they're like, yeah, but... You know, you're not taking Ritalin. You're not taking um, whatever that other... I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't care to take them. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess since I didn't take Ritalin, but I took some some good old crank, you know, I, I guess there's a little difference in that. And that makes a big difference in, in uh, knowing if you're ADHD or not. So... Take it from you guys. I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this is going, Oh, yeah, that dude's so ADHD and he's sounding a little burnt up, probably. And tell you the truth, I am because I'm in this damn hot ass garden tub. My bubbles done bubbled out. My feet look like prunes on the bottom. Uh, my penis, yeah, you know, we'll pull a Howard Stern and say, Man, that sucker shriveled up, look like a sardine. But I tell you what, when that sucker gets hard, I, I don't have to put no cucumber in my pants and, you know, in my spandex and walk out on stage because I got my own cucumber. and it's, it, it's still there. It ain't going away. But, boy, when it, when it gets in the water and it gets relaxed, it could almost disappear. Not really. Not in micro sense. But, you know, to me, you know, I still have to put a whole hand around it, you know, just to piss. But, um you know, they don't call me seven for nothing. And I'd say seven by three. <laughs> if you catch my drift, ladies, men, you know. <laughs> Sorry you had to hear all that. But anyway, hey man, appreciate y'all. I'm going to come back. I'm going to tell y'all more because it's getting to the end of my podcast, I guess. And um, we're going to end it out with uh, uh, I would say Pantera, we're going to end this out, if we can, with the band that I was in, since we've been talking about Almost Famous and talking about me and being the drummer, and you want to hear what my drums sound like, and you want to hear who I am, because you've been hearing all this and that, and all this and that, and here man, I'll give you something man, y'all check this out, this is going to be just a little bit, um, um, yeah, it's called Time Bomb. And uh, you're listening to Seven from the band Rocket Queen, drummer. And uh, y'all have a good night. Gonna end it off with some Time Bomb that we wrote in Nashville, Texas. Y'all have a good night. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Maniana.
Once again, you're listening to our almost famous My Story, Lance, Seven Hilton, Rocket Queen, East Texas, Tyler, Texas. We'll see y'all tomorrow. song with Five Finger Death Punch, and that is crazy. But tell me, this don't sound like some three doors down. I'll give you a little bit more, and I'm going to tell you a whole lot more about me. It's going to get crazy. It's going to be funny. It's going to be sad. It's going to be great. It is what it is, you know? Brantley Gilbert, it's my boy. Pittman, guitar player Madonna, played with him on stage back when we were kids, trading shows, I've opened up for Five Finger Death Punch, Nonpoint, MPE, Mushroom Head, hey man, I've even jumped on stage with Mushroom Head and played those water drums, Pink Floyd, oh man, amazing. Trees in Dallas was sold out, and everybody there that was a musician, when I took my mask off, <laughs> oh, they tripped, they tripped, and I wanted them to, I wanted them to see me, and they always looked at me different after that, they always wanted something out of me, and that's when I was like, wait a minute, why do y'all want something out of me, man? I used to have to hope that y'all would answer my text back and, you know, now you local bands are wanting to come down here and play my hometown and, and open up for me and, you know, I know all these people, but, man, they're just people. Some of them are just my friends, man. The Beer Union. Eric Schrader from Canada, man. I miss that brother. He's like a brother from another mother. And man, they offered me to go out with them and they introduced me to Allison Chains and they introduced me to Godsmack and introduced me to even, you know, Hell Yeah. And, and you know, Hell Yeah was making us eat their fucking food out back, you know, in uh, uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas. It was Arkansas. You know, you better try some of my chicken. I've been slaving all day on this. Yeah, I can see what that rebel flag you got going there, bro. <laughs> and 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 to even see Godsmack, soul lady. Man, that was a trip. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you a little secret about that. Godsmack, soul lady. I'm standing next to this chick. She's a big old black girl. And uh, oh man. I was like, who is this black girl backstage rocking out? I mean, she is rocking out like this. Like, this kind of rocking out. You know? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And, you know, right behind me, they're going, huh? What's up, dude? Uh, and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Look at 
serious? Who the hell is this woman? Big fat black girl. She ain't even supposed to be here, I don't think. She's banging her head more than I am. Sully gets off stage from Godsmack. And he walks down a little aisle and he kind of looks and points his hand. And I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, I, I guess he's pointing his hand at me. I looked over, she's smiling. I'm like, man, you ain't got a chance. What the hell? But, I mean, she's cool. She was really cool. And all of a sudden, he comes up. He's like, hey, baby. And she's like, ooh, hey, Sully. Oh, that was awesome. He said, you like it? And she's like, I love it every time. He looked over at me. He's like, how's it going, bro? And I kind of looked down at him because he's only about four foot two, maybe. I didn't know that either. I was like, dude, that was amazing. And he said, thank you, brother. Now, come on, girl. Let's, let's go. Hey, we're going to go get a shower, man. Hey, we'll meet up with you. What's your name? Lance. All right, Lance. We'll meet up with you, brother. Go have a good night. And they walked off in the distance to the tour bus. 350-pound, beautiful black woman. And 4.2 on the foot. In the inches, Sully, walking hand in hand. She's like six foot tall, I think. It looked like it anyway, compared to him. I'm gonna tell you something. He was happy. He didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. He didn't care if anybody knew anything. That was his old lady. Hey, you know what? To each his own, brother. Maybe it was just a one-night stand, or maybe that was his baby's mama's mama. Who knows? But she had a good time. I had a good time. The Vera Union had a good time. I appreciate those guys for inviting us down. And, you know, they wanted to see this band. They wanted to see this band called Shaman's Harvest. They were really, really, really wanting to see this band without getting interrupted by their, their crowd because they just got off stage and... These guys, Shaman's Harvest is going up next. And, you know, the guy goes up there in a wheelchair. The singer goes up in a wheelchair and starts singing. Oh, man, my nose is hitting, hitting a button. <laughs> oh, well. Well, they go up there and uh, he gets up in that wheelchair and he's singing his song. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this dude has had a fall. And how embarrassing to get over a broken leg is to have to be on, you know, in a wheelchair, wheeled up there, and you're badass. Well, hey, they had this song called Dragonfly, and I, I knew that song. Right when I heard it, I was like, yeah, fly, dragonfly. Well, I dared the singer to come out in the middle of the concert and watch him. Now, let's, I want to hear him. You want to hear him? You said you wanted to hear him. Let's go hear him. He said, man, no, everybody's going to fuck with me, man. Everybody's going to fuck with me, dude. I mean, my mohawk, I'm black. Everybody thought I just got off stage. But their second stage of the, uh, I don't know what it was called, Freakers Ball or something like that. There's just so many good bands there. And um, I was like, oh, who cares, man? I double dog dare you. And I told him, hey, man, I got something for you, those, bro. But you got to come up front with me. And he goes, ah, I really do want to hear one. That does sound cool, but I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. We'll be out in five minutes. 
but I still want to hear them live and loud, so let's do it. And we roll out in front of this crowd, and the whole way there, everybody's looking at him, and looking at me, but they're more looking at him going, like, they don't know what to say, and they're pointing their fingers, and some of them are trying to shake his hand, and then we get in the crowd, and we get about three minutes into a song, and that singer stands up from that wheelchair, and some crutches, and then all of a sudden he throws these crutches out, and it's a whole part of a show. He's not even in, he's not even hurt, man. You know, it was like, okay, he, he threw me for a loop, and we're like, oh, hell yeah. And then, you know, the song went off, and their introduction for the next song uh, uh, was one of the bigger ones, and uh, this was 2012, I believe. Oh, man. <clears throat> Next thing you know, we get bombarded by people. Just, just, hey, man, badass show. Can I get a signature? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I know he really wanted to sit and watch the rest of that show because he, he really liked them a lot. He, he heard about them. He heard them on Sirius Satellite, you know, the Dragonfly song. He, he heard they were really uh, something that they might need to latch on to because, you know, possibilities, you know, uh, are endless when it comes to up, up and coming rising stars, uh, you know, to travel around. They, they get those package deals with the bigger bands and then they get in those even bigger uh, stages whenever they do the festivals on the side and then they break off and yada, yada, yada. And they really wanted to get with somebody that was, uh, was going to draw a big crowd, you know, uh, since it would probably seem to be that they would be the opening act and the WR Union been out on a label a little bit longer would be the uh, opening act as well, but the co-headline act uh, versus whatever they got onto. Um, you know, Hinder was one of them. Uh, the festivals were Alice in Chains, and Five Finger Death Punch, and bands like that. Um, but uh, next thing you know, I introduced. That guy, you know, after they got off stage, the guitar player Josh for Shaman's Harvest was like, hey, man, man, y'all sound good. And I'm like, I oh, appreciate it. I'm, I'm just friends of theirs, but, I mean, I'm, I know they appreciate that, too, as well. Man, you guys are awesome. We tried to sit down in the front row, and he said, yeah, no, I've seen y'all uh, for a song or two, but uh, y'all kind of disappeared after that. I'm, I'm sure I know why. I said, yeah. Uh, he said, man, I tell you what, there's... There's some women out here tonight. It's hot. Uh, I was like, yeah, it's hot. There's some women. Y'all in a y'all in a 16-passenger van. And I guess y'all can take turns scoring if that's what you do, you know, with the groupies. But, you know, my boys, they got a tour bus over here, and uh, they really like you guys, man. I think, I think man, y'all should meet each other. I think y'all should exchange each other's numbers, man. Get to know each other, man. They're really cool dudes, man. They like to party, man. You like to party? He's like, oh, yeah, right now I wish I had a little dough for my nose. And I'm like, well, you know, come to the bus. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. I mean, you know, I've changed a whole lot since then. I ain't, I ain't scared to admit what I've done in the past. I've admitted to my mom, so I mean, might as well admit it to everyone. I mean, I've done some really crazy shit. And, you know, that's just, I ain't nothing but a little nip in the bud, you know. That's just a little after-party effect. But, I'm telling you, we had good times that night. And they exchanged numbers. And that, that guitar player would call me, like, every holiday. Yeah, I mean, even on Christmas. Not Christmas Eve, not the day after, not the day before, not the week before, but Christmas morning. Call me going, hey, fucker. 
What's up, man? What'd you do last night? Yeah, yeah, I'm drunk. Gotta go to my parents. I'm like, yeah, buddy. Hey, man, Merry Christmas, bro. Man, we had fun, man. That's good to hear from you. And he, he would do this during every single holiday, I noticed. And then the one time he didn't was the 4th of July. And it was a time that the, the rock band that I was in was going through this phase of, you know, I don't know if it's going to work with our drummer and the bass player because they just don't get along. And we've got this tour lined up with Creed on the West Coast. And, you know, we don't want them fist fighting each other every single night, man. So we don't know what to do. And the bass player kind of came up with the, the money that it costs to, to actually buy on to this tour package. Um, sad to say his dad passed away, inherited some money, and, you know, it was either me that's been there for nine years in this band, you know, with the brothers, saying that they would never, ever, ever screw me over, ever, as long as I did what I was supposed to do, and they made it every reason for me as of me not doing what I was supposed to do, even when I was still doing everything that I've always done. But more to, in my eyes as an excuse to, to have the guts to fire me and, and hire this dude's friend because, you know, it was either that or they weren't going on tour Creed. And the funny thing is, is that didn't happen at first on this West Coast because the West Coast, the West Coast deal, I'm going to tell you what, we were down a, a week before we were ready to go. We were supposed to meet um, the the manager of Aerosmith and the Hyatt Hotel in Hollywood, you know, on the top thing, on the very tip-top of the Hyatt Hotel, and have lunch with him. And Red Bull Records was, was you know, very interested in us. And, you know, we had a lot of uh, play with, you know, MTV voting us Best Unsigned Band in America. Um, put us on a soundtrack to a movie, gas movie called John Tucker Must Die, but hey, it was a movie and it was a, it was a motion picture and it sold a lot and it was a chick flick and red carpet and all that, but man, you don't sell out your friend like that. You don't sell out your bro that got you all these shows that done everything you could possibly do in his mighty power to get you where you are today because some dude with some money said, hey, if, if, if we don't do it this way, then... And, you know, we're not getting on this tour because I'm not supporting it. I'm not going to put up the money for it. Well, you know, that's a shame. That's a shame because there could have been another way around that. And that's the pissy part about music. Cause you just never know when something like that's going to happen. And it's sad. It's really sad, man, because I work my ass off. I work my ass off more then you can imagine, man, I'm a drummer, man. Drummers work their ass off. They carry their own drums. They they don't have no help from the singer, you know. Uh, they they don't have no help from their band. They, you know, they're, they're expected to put all this stuff up, play, not miss a single beat. If somebody gets off, they look at you like you did it. And, you know, then you walk off stage and then you got to rush your stuff out of there so the next band can get up on stage just to jump back into a van full of bitching ass musicians that think that you played like shit because they fucked up. You know, when, when, a, when a drummer has a metronome in their ear and it goes off because they go too fast, I have to compensate. I have to listen to complete opposite ticking in my ear. 
towards the music and try to catch it up and slow it down and do everything I can to get it back on beat so, you know, I'm in track and I'm, I'm in the pocket and and I'll be damned. Somebody makes a little mistake and I get thrown out of pocket and it's always me. And I mean, to the point where it's like, you suck, motherfucker. You, you practice that over and over and over. Why the, why the fuck did you fuck that up? Weeks you did not fuck that up. At first you were fucking it up, but weeks you were on pocket. And then all of a sudden you fucked it up. Well, you know, hey, guitar player fucking hit a sour note and looked the other way and and had a brain fart and was acting like his shit wasn't working and, you know, and then come back in way too fast. Way too fast. And I had to slow it down. No, that ain't what happened. No, fuck you, motherfucker. Fuck you, motherfucker. Get out there and sell merch right now, motherfucker. Put a smile on your face. Get the fuck out of this van. And I don't want to ever fucking see you do it. You're going straight to practice as soon as we get back. You know? And then you come in, everybody's going, man, you were so badass. You are so badass. And you, were, you got this fake smile going, thanks, man. I'll take a picture with you. Yeah, it was kick-ass. But really, in deep inside your head, you just want to fucking leave. You got a lump in your throat, man. That, that, that evil lump that just hurts. You know, because... Somebody told you you were just a piece of shit that night and what were you on and all this kind of stupid shit like, you know, this ain't rock and roll metal and, you know, everybody here ain't drunk and no one's going to fucking even miss it because no one even knows our songs completely yet. But you know what? That's all right. That's all right because I, I went towards what the crowd said and that lump would leave my throat and that amazing time would reoccur. As much as I wanted it to, maybe not as much, but as much as it could, being what was said, I took it like a grain of salt, and I I took what everybody in the crowd told me, and they talked a lot more about how badass the drums were versus everything else, and not you know not on my high horse or anything, but you know what put me on my high horse is these put these people put me on a fucking doggy, you know, and 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 tied fucking blindfold around me and you know throwing pins and needles at me right now but you know what that's all right because when i grew up i grew up wanting to be heavy metal i grew up wanting to be like my boys pantera so yeah back to uh discussing the concert with the Veer Union and meeting Shaman's Harvest. Well, let's just say this. They exchanged numbers. They got to talking. And like I said, the guys from Shaman's Harvest, Josh, the one that really picked up on me and came to the bus and Started talking to him and then brung his band over there and and all. The reason why he called me all the time on, on all these holidays and out there while he's, you know, when they, when they weren't out on tour, he was uh, a soccer coach for his kids' soccer team. And he'd be out there coaching soccer. And, you know, I'd call him, ask him, asking him questions, you know, and advice, 
and he was more willing to give it. You know, I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm out on a soccer field right now. You know, my kids are playing. Big game today. I'm like, oh, man, let me let you go, man. Uh, I, I'll call you back and, uh, and get some of this advice from you when, you know, when, when everything's, you know, calm down or whatever. He's like, no, no, we're good. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Dude, I'm, I'm here for you. You know, asking about you know, the sale of merch and, you know, what do you do here? What do you do there? You know, he was, he was more than willing to give me this advice. Um, you know, I'll get excited about something and I just have to call him and, you know, in his appreciation, every holiday, he would, he would make it to a point to call me. You know, and, and that was really cool. And I, I didn't understand because there was a few of them that never even knew I played music. You know, they, they met me at a club that gave me all access to everything because I sold out a bunch of shows there as a local band and helping them sell out shows with big national acts and all that good stuff. Um, uh, I was pretty much able to do whatever I wanted to do and nobody could stop me. And everybody was told, don't mess with that guy. He's he's not really our promoter. He's our guy that shows these bands and stuff a good time, um, and we never doubt that. And uh, to the point where they make it a point to put our town back on the map the next time they come around on their tour. Uh, they they make sure and and and. They don't have to have bus caught two in the morning and, and leave straight out. They they come spend the night at my house. You know, they they make big plans. You know, we go out on the boat, cruise around late at night. Uh, just, you know, just whatever. You know, just be able to hang out one time. You know, one night and, and uh, you know, while we can. And uh, I found out the reason why uh, Mr. Shaman's Harvest guitar player, rhythm guitar player, took such an interest in me. Uh, he, he had told me that night that uh, I brung over Shaman's Harvest to their bus and they exchanged numbers. Uh, he said, you know, you're not going to believe this. And, you know, I've, I don't know why I haven't ever told you, but, uh, you know, if it wasn't for you and that night, we ended up getting like 20 arena shows with these guys because of that hookup that you established, that, that you connected, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. Nip it in the bud with some blow. But the real story is, hey, let's let's get these guys together and make something happen. That That'd, that'd be fun to be on tour and... I started feeling like a tour manager at the time, and you know, being a musician, I don't want—I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I wanted to be with my friends, and they were my friends, and they asked me to even come with them. And there was there was a big announcement. You know, uh, the very union said, "Hey, you know, these guys, all my guys, everybody on the bus, always has a friend in a certain town." in a certain city that they like to hang out with. But everybody else here always seems to hate that one person. <laughs> you know, 
It's like, oh, God, no, we got to show up and fucking this dude's going to have a blast with this fucking douche, dumbass. But not me. And that's what they told me. They had a meeting and they said, man, we want you to come with us because, I mean, we work great together. You're like a brother to us. Every one of us gets excited knowing, hey, we're going to hang out with fucking Lance tonight. You know, this is this is awesome. Everybody likes this guy. He knows music. He's a promoting machine. He, he just brings the girls to us. He, he just It's just an awesome time every time this guy comes around. Let's put him on the bus with us. And they offered me that, that job. And I told him, man, I'm a musician. I can't. I can't sit and watch y'all jam without wanting to jam. Man, y'all could make me almost famous. But... I want to be famous. I didn't work with this hard to just sit on the sidelines. I wanted to be the quarterback, you know. Well, now that would be the singer. I guess you'd call me the tight end <laughs> if we were talking about football. Uh, but the coolest thing is, is, uh, it was just when I thought it wasn't cool, and the guy didn't call me on 4th of July, Mr. Shaman's Harvest Josh. It was actually because I was out at the lake and I had no service on my phone. I didn't know that. I was depressed. I was ready to get out of this band. I knew they were ready to throw the can at me or whatever. Stick a finger in my ass. Tell me to get the fuck out. Violate me like... All get out. And I told myself, there's got to be something. There's got to be a change. And I remember looking up in the sky, and this is so tripped out. This is what I'm saying that, and I'm at my worst. I'm at my worst. I'm at my, I feel like I'm at my end, and I've never been at an end with music. I said, something's got to change. Something's got to come to me big. It's got to be different. If it's with different people, it's got to happen. It's got to happen now. And I'll be damned. Three shooting stars in a row happened. And I didn't even tell anybody. There were people all sitting around me. A couple of people actually seen them. But when I seen them, chills went up my spine because I knew something was going to happen. I knew it. Woke up the next morning, hung over. Went to call somebody and it went, doo doo doo. You have no cell service. Oh, fuck. You know, I totally forgot about the shaman's harvest thing. And it's just, you know, it wasn't on my mind that morning. And, and I went to go get a pack of cigarettes and all of a sudden my cell service picks up and bloop, 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 bloop. all these texts come in from Josh from shaman's harvest. And I went, ah, oh, look, he actually did call. He actually did text. Man, I can't believe I missed that. That sucks. But, you know, hey, I'll call him today. That's cool. Let's see what he had to say. Hey, man. Happy 4th of July. And uh, check your email. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why didn't you just send me that, you know, set of titties or whatever 
you know, crazy shit that happened to you last night, why don't you just send that straight to my text message? I mean, are you getting a little nervous or something? Worried I'm going to pop it open in front of old lady and she's going to be like, who's this guy sending you titties? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, well, I'll check my email. Better be good, damn it. I don't know my passcodes and shit. I finally get into it. And the first thing it says is, Hey, brother, once again, happy 4th of July. I know you're jamming with Rocket Queen. I've been checking out the YouTube, keeping in track with you on Facebook. But uh, I was just curious. You don't know any good drummers out there that are looking to tour with a rock band called Shaman's Harvest, do you? Because we're actually looking for a, a really kick-ass drummer. You don't know any, do you? LOL. And I thought to myself, hey, hell yeah, I know somebody. What do you mean, do I know somebody? Fuck yeah, I know somebody. Me, motherfucker. And I thought, well, I, I guess that's what the LOL meant. It was like they're asking me. But no, man, that would be too good to be true. Well, I, I told him, I said, yeah, man, I, I know one. Uh, you're, you're emailing him back and forth right now. Seven is ready to roll. He said, ha, ha, I was hoping you'd say that. I'll talk to the guys and let's start setting something up. And there's a long story to that. Oh, we're going to get back to that. But I'd like to get back to uh, where I left off there after meeting those guys. And, uh, you know, just the whole heavy metal rules thing. We'll get back in that segment because I'm just learning how to split things up and episodes and this app itself and try not to turn the music up too loud in the background because, man... Gotta have good music in the background to feel what I'm saying. You feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Click on the next episode. And listen to the rest. Of almost famous.
So yeah, back to uh, discussing the concert with the Veer Union and meeting Shaman's Harvest. Well, let's just say this. They exchanged numbers. They got to talking. And like I said, the guys from Shaman's Harvest, Josh, the one that really picked up on me and came to the bus and started talking to him and then brung his band over there and and all. The reason why he called me all the time on, on all these holidays and out there while he's... You know, when they, when they weren't out on tour, he was uh, a soccer coach for his kids' soccer team. And he'd be out there coaching soccer. And, you know, I'd call him, ask him, asking him questions, you know, and advice. And he was more willing to give it. You know, I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm out on a soccer field right now. You know, my kids are playing. Big game today. I'm like, oh, man, let me let you go, man. Uh, I, I'll, I'll call you back and, uh, and get some of this advice from you when, you know, when, when everything's, you know, calm down or whatever. He's like, no, no, we're good. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Dude, I'm, I'm here for you. You know, asking about, you know, the sale of merch and, you know, what do you do here? What do you do there? You know, he was he was more than willing to give me this advice. Um you know, I'll get excited about something and I just have to call him. And, you know, in his appreciation, every holiday, he, w- he would make it to a point to call me, you know, and, and that was really cool. And I, I didn't understand because there was a few of them that never even knew I played music. You know, they, they met me at a club that gave me all access to everything because, I sold out a bunch of shows there as a local band and helping them sell out shows with big national acts and all that good stuff. Um, uh, I was pretty much able to do whatever I wanted to do and nobody could stop me. And everybody was told, don't mess with that guy. He's, he's not really our promoter. He's our guy that shows these bands and stuff a good time. Um, and we never doubt that. And, uh, to the point where they make it a point to put our town back on the map the next time they come around on their tour. Uh, they they make sure and, and and they don't have to have bus caught two in the morning and, and leave straight out. They they come spend the night at my house. You know, they, they make big plans. You know, we go out on the boat, cruise around late at night. Uh, just, you know, just whatever. You know, just be able to hang out one time. You know, one night and, and, uh, you know, while we can. And, uh, I found out the reason why, uh, Mr. Shaman's Harvest guitar player, rhythm guitar player, took such an interest in me. Uh, he, he had told me that night that, uh, I brought over Shaman's Harvest to their bus and they exchanged numbers. Uh, he said, you know, you're not going to believe this. And, you know, I've, I don't know why I haven't even told you, but, uh, you know, if it wasn't for you and that night, we ended up getting like 20 arena shows with these guys because of that hookup that you established, that, that you connected 
you know, oh yeah, sure, nip it in the bud with some blow, but the real story is, hey, let's let's get these guys together and make something happen. That that that'd be fun to be on tour, and I started feeling like a tour manager at the time, and you know, being a musician, I don't want I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I wanted to be with my friends, and they were my friends, and they asked me to come with them. And there was there was a big announcement. You know, uh, the very union said, hey, you know, these guys, all my guys, everybody on the bus always has a friend in a certain town, in a certain city that they like to hang out with. But everybody else here always seems to hate that one person <laughs> you know it's like oh god no we gotta show up and fucking this dude's gonna have a blast with this fucking douche dumbass but not me and that's what they told me they had a meeting and they said man we want you to come with us because i mean we work great together you're like a brother to us every one of us gets excited knowing Hey, we're gonna hang out with fucking Lance tonight. You know, this is this is awesome. Everybody likes this guy. He knows music. He's a promoting machine. He he just brings the girls to us. He he just it's just an awesome time. Every time this guy comes around, well, let's put him on the bus with us. And they offered me that that job. And I told him, man, I'm a musician. I can't. Can't sit and watch y'all jam without wanting to jam. Man, y'all could make me almost famous. But I want to be famous. I didn't work with this hard to just sit on the sidelines. I wanted to be the quarterback, you know. Well, no, that would be the singer. I guess you'd call me the tight end <laughs> if we were talking about football. Uh, but the coolest thing is, is uh, was just when I thought it wasn't cool, and the guy didn't call me on Fourth of July, Mister Shaman's Harvest Josh. It was actually because I was out at the lake and I had no service on my phone. I didn't know that. I was depressed. I was ready to get out of this band. I knew they were ready to throw the can at me or whatever. Stick a finger in my ass. Tell me to get the fuck out. Violate me. Like, all get out. And I told myself, there's got to be something. There's got to be a change. And I remember looking up in the sky, and this is so tripped out. This is what I'm saying that, and I'm at my worst. I'm at my worst. I'm at my, I feel like I'm at my end, and I've never been at an end with music. I said, something's got to change. Something's got to come to me big. It's got to be different. If it's with different people, it's got to happen. It's got to happen now. And I'll be damned, three shooting stars in a row happen. And I didn't even tell anybody. There were people all sitting around me. A couple of people actually seen them. But when I seen them, 
chills went up my spine because I knew something was going to happen. I knew it. Woke up the next morning, hung over. Went to call somebody and it went, you have no cell service. Oh, fuck. You know, totally forgot about the shaman's harvest thing. And it's just, you know, wasn't on my mind that morning. And and I went to go get a pack of cigarettes. And all of a sudden, my cell service picks up. And all these texts come in from Josh from Shaman's Harvest. And I went, oh, look, he actually did call. He actually did text. Man, I can't believe I missed that. That sucks. But, you know, hey, I'll call him today. That's cool. Let's see what he had to say. Hey, man, happy 4th of July, and uh, check your email. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why didn't you just send me that, you know, set of titties or whatever, you know, crazy shit that happened to you last night? Why don't you just send that straight to my text message? I mean, are you getting a little nervous or something? Worried I'm going to pop it open in front of old lady, and she's going to be like, who's this guy sending you titties? <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, I'll check my email. Better be good, damn it. I don't know my passcodes and shit. I finally get into it. And the first thing it says is, hey, brother, once again, happy 4th of July. I know you're jamming with Rocket Queen. I've been checking out the YouTube, keeping in track with you on Facebook. But uh, I was just curious. You don't know any good drummers out there that are looking to tour with a rock band called Shaman's Harvest, do you? Because we're actually looking for a, a really kick-ass drummer. You don't know any, do you? LOL. And I thought to myself, hey, hell yeah, I know somebody. What do you mean, do I know somebody? Fuck yeah, I know somebody. Me, motherfucker. And I thought, well... I guess that's what the LOL meant, was like they're asking me. But, no, man, that would be too good to be true. Well, I I told him, I said, yeah, man, I I know one. Uh, you're, You're emailing him back and forth right now. Seven is ready to roll. He said, ha, ha. I was hoping you'd say that. I'll talk to the guys and let's start setting something up. And there's a long story to that. Oh, we're going to get back to that. But I'd like to get back to uh, where I left off there after meeting those guys. And, uh, you know, just the whole heavy metal rules thing. We'll get back in that segment because I'm just learning how to split things up and episodes and this app itself and try not to turn the music up too loud in the background because, man, you got to have good music in the background to feel what I'm saying. You feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Click on the next episode. And listen to the rest.
of Almost Famous. So yeah, back to uh, discussing the concert with the Veer Union and meeting Shaman's Harvest. Well, let's just say this. They exchanged numbers. They got to talking. And like I said, the guys from Shaman's Harvest, Josh, the one that really picked up on me and came to the bus and started talking to him and then brought his band over there and and all. The reason why he called me all the time on, on all these holidays and out there while he's, you know, when they, when they weren't out on tour, he was uh, a soccer coach for his kid's soccer team and he'd be out there coaching soccer and, you know, I'd call him, ask him, asking him questions, you know, and advice. And he was more willing to give it. You know, I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm out on a soccer field right now. You know, my kids are playing. Big game today. I'm like, oh, man, let me let you go, man. Uh, I'll call you back and uh, and get some of this advice from you when, you know, when when everything's, you know, calmed down or whatever. He's like, no, no, we're good. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Dude, I'm, I'm here for you. You know, asking about, you know, the sale of merch and, you know, what do you do here? What do you do there? You know, he was he was more willing to give me this advice. Um, you know, I'll get excited about something and I just have to call him. And, you know, in his appreciation, every holiday he, he would make it to a point to call me. You know, and, and that was really cool. And I, I didn't understand because there was a few of them that never even knew I played music. You know, they, they met me at a club that gave me all access to everything because I sold out a bunch of shows there as a local band and helping them sell out shows with big national acts and all that good stuff. 
um, uh, I was pretty much able to do whatever I wanted to do, and nobody could stop me. And everybody was told, don't mess with that guy. He's he's not really our promoter. He's our guy that shows these bands and stuff a good time. Um, and we never doubt that. And uh, to the point where they make it a point to put our town back on the map the next time they come around on their tour, uh, they, they make sure and, and, and they don't have to have bus caught two in the morning and, and leave straight out. They, they come spend the night at my house, you know, they, they make big plans. You know, we go out on the boat, cruise around late at night, uh, just, you know, just whatever, you know, just be able to hang out one time, you know, one night and, and, uh, you know, while we can. And, uh, I found out the reason why uh, Mr. Shaman's Harvest guitar player, rhythm guitar player, took such an interest in me. Uh, he, he had told me that night that uh, I brung over Shaman's Harvest to their bus and they exchanged numbers. Uh, he said, you know, you're not going to believe this. And, you know, I've, I don't know why I haven't even ever told you, but... Uh, you know, if it wasn't for you and that night, we ended up getting like 20 arena shows with these guys because of that hookup that you established, that, that you connected, you know. Oh, yeah, sure. Nip it in the bud with some blow. But the real story is, hey, let's let's get these guys together and make something happen. That they, they, They'd be fun to be on tour and I started feeling like a tour manager at the time and you know being a musician I don't want I didn't want that I didn't want that I wanted to be with my friends and they were my friends and they asked me to even come with them and there was there was a big announcement you know uh, the very union said hey you know these guys all my guys everybody on the bus Always has a friend in a certain town, in a certain city, that they like to hang out with. But everybody else here always seems to hate that one person. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, God, no, we got to show up and fucking this dude's going to have a blast with this fucking douche, dumbass. But not me. And that's what they told me. They had a meeting, and they said, man, we want you to come with us because, I mean, we work great together. You're like a brother to us. Every one of us gets excited knowing, hey, we're going to hang out with fucking Lance tonight. You know, this is this is awesome. Everybody likes this guy. He knows music. He's a promoting machine. He, he just brings the girls to us. He, he just, it's just an awesome time every time this guy comes around. Let's put them on the bus with us. And they offered me that that job. And I told them, man, I'm a musician. I can't. I can't sit and watch y'all jam without wanting to jam. Man, y'all could make me almost famous. But... I want to be famous. I didn't work at this hard. 
to just sit on the sidelines. I wanted to be the quarterback, you know. Well, now that would be the singer. I guess you'd call me the tight end <laughs> if we were talking about football. Uh, but the coolest thing is, is uh, was just when I thought it wasn't cool, and the guy didn't call me on Fourth of July, Mister Shaman's Harvest Josh. It was actually because I was out at the lake and I had no service on my phone. I didn't know that. I was depressed. I was ready to get out of this band. I knew they were ready to throw the can at me or whatever. Stick a finger in my ass. Tell me to get the fuck out. Violate me. Like, all get out. And I told myself, there's got to be something. There's got to be a change. And I remember looking up in the sky, and this is so tripped out. This is what I'm saying that, and I'm at my worst. I'm at my worst. I'm at my, I feel like I'm at my end, and I've never been at an end with music. I said, something's got to change. Something's got to come to me big. It's got to be different. If it's with different people, it's got to happen. It's got to happen now. And I be damned, three shooting stars in a row happen. And I didn't even tell anybody. There were people all sitting around me. A couple of people actually seen them. But when I seen them, chills went up my spine because I knew something was going to happen. I knew it. Woke up the next morning, hung over. Went to call somebody and it went, doo doo doo. You have no cell service. Oh, fuck. You know, t- totally forgot about the shaman's harvest thing. And it's just, you know, it wasn't on my mind that morning. And and I went to go get a pack of cigarettes. And all of a sudden, my cell service picks up. And bloop, 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 all these texts come in from Josh from shaman's harvest. And I went, ah, oh, look, he actually did call. He actually did text. Man, I can't believe I missed that. That sucks. But, you know, hey, I'll call him today. That's cool. Let's see what he had to say. Hey, man, happy 4th of July, and uh, check your email. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why didn't you just send me that, you know, set of titties or whatever, you know, crazy shit that happened to you last night? Why don't you just send that straight to my text message? I mean, are you getting a little nervous or something? Worried I'm going to pop it open in front of old lady, and she's going to be like, who's this guy sending you titties? <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, I'll check my email. Better be good, damn it. I don't know my passcodes and shit. I finally get into it. And the first thing it says is, hey, brother, once again, happy 4th of July. I know you're jamming with Rocket Queen. I've been checking out the YouTube, keeping in track with you on Facebook. But uh, I was just curious. You don't know any good drummers out there that are looking to tour with a rock band called Shaman's Harvest, do you? Because we're actually looking for a a really kick-ass drummer. You don't know any, do you? LOL. And I thought to myself, hey, hell yeah, I know somebody. What do you mean, do I know somebody? Fuck yeah, I know somebody. Me, motherfucker. 
And I thought, oh, I, I guess that's what the LOL meant. was like they're asking me. But, no, man, that would be too good to be true. Well, I, I told him, I said, yeah, man, I, I know one. Uh, you're, you're emailing him back and forth right now. Seven is ready to roll. He said, I was hoping you'd say that. I'll talk to the guys and let's start setting something up. And there's a long story to that. Oh, we're going to get back to that. But I'd like to get back to uh, where I left off there after meeting those guys. And, uh, you know, just the whole heavy metal rules thing. We'll get back in that segment because I'm just learning how to split things up and episodes and this app itself and try not to turn the music up too loud in the background because, man, you got to have good music in the background to feel what I'm saying. You feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Click on the next episode. And listen to the rest of Almost Famous. Stay tuned for more episodes coming at you soon. Check back or we'll send you an email or something. Hope you enjoyed this session. There's a whole lot more to come, like three decades of Almost Famous. And if you're wondering, I've got to get to these uh, little baby kittens right now. They're all crying for some milk. I think their mama's all dried up. So I'm going to have to... Well, I can't do it. Oh, my old lady can't do it.
but they make some shit at Walmart that can do it. And I'm the only one up at this time. And, you know, let's go get these cats or little kitties taken care of. And I'll get back with you on this uh, almost famous thing, right? <clears throat> My voice is about worn out right now. And uh, you've been listening to Almost Famous. <laughs> You like my DJ voice. See you next episode. Almost famous. Almost famous. Almost famous. Almost famous. Almost famous.